Amen. How's everyone doing this morning? Praise the Lord. It's good to see everybody. Thank you, John Cho, chosen one. Uh, It's good to see everyone. I'm feeling really good this morning, so um, please excuse my sarcasm. I hope I'm not being sarcastic. But um, I want to start off with a joke. I always start off with a joke, and I think it's always good, you know, to laugh a little bit, especially in church. Some of you need to practice smiling, so we're going to practice together, if that's okay. So here's the joke. Um, you don't have to laugh, but if it's funny, please do. If not, don't, uh, don't try to appease me. It's okay. I don't need it. Um, but here it goes. So there's this Korean pastor, right? And amen. Chuyo, Hananim. And uh, he, he's coming home from this revival meeting, and he's driving down the road, and he sees this Indian pastor, right, walking in the same direction. So reluctantly, he's like, all right, I'll give this guy a ride. So he pulls over. He's like, hey, where are you going? He's like, I'm going this way. He's like, all right, get in. So he gets in the car. And the first question the Korean pastor asks the Indian pastor is, he goes, hey, do you, do you really believe that Jesus is Indian? And the Indian pastor goes, absolutely. He's absolutely Indian. Like, why would you even ask me? And so they start to have this heated debate. They're going back and forth. No, he's Korean. No, he's Indian. And they start to have such a heated debate that the Korean pastor who's driving jumps the median into oncoming traffic, gets hit by 18-wheeler, and dies. All right? So now they're dead. All right? And right now, they're in the presence of the Lord, right? They're in the presence of the Lord. Peter is opening the gates of heaven, and they see Jesus. Jesus slowly opens his hands, and he goes, Que lo que? Que paso? <laughs> and he's actually Hispanic, so just... All right, I know that was a fail. 0 for 2 today. 0 for 2. But, um, yeah, all right, I tried. I know. You can boo. It's okay. Um, but in all seriousness, Jesus is neither Korean, Hispanic, or Indian, whatever. You know, it's not important. But I just think that was funny because, you know, we all have, we all have perceptions, right? We all have perceptions of what we think Jesus looks like and, and, and different things. And the perception I want to talk about mainly is the issue of prejudice. Prejudice. And so many of us, we talk about prejudice, right? We say, oh, I'm not prejudiced. I'm not a racist. But I think sometimes we don't fully understand the words that we use. We don't fully understand what it means to actually be prejudiced. And so this morning, I'm going to be speaking about our prejudice and the gospel. And sometimes we believe that our prejudice sometimes is the gospel, but very wrong. And so we're going to dialogue through scripture this morning to see just exactly what the Lord says about prejudice. And um, I have some shares just to say about my own life, about some stuff that the Lord was doing this week that revealed my own prejudice. So um, basically, this is what prejudice is. When we perceive something about someone, but we have no basis for that thought or perception. The issue with this is many of us, we build ideologies around our prejudice, So we built these things based on how we feel about certain cultural groups, how we feel about certain people of socioeconomical status, how we feel about certain people from certain countries. And what happens is we end up living out these prejudices, and it actually becomes hateful towards other people who look different or who sound different or who are from different places or cultural contexts than us. And the thing that we don't realize is that actually our prejudice shapes the way we feel about God in a very real way. I think it's very hard to, to, to say you're prejudiced and actually to say that you're actually furthering the gospel, and I'll show you why. These two don't mix. Let's look at uh, Colossians chapter 3. Give me a hey when you get there. All right, nobody's there. 
Hey, oh, thank you. Somebody's at the pastors there. And let's, let's look a little bit at what, what, what uh, Paul is saying here. So in Colossians 3. Hey, yo, thank you, Allegra. All right, so I'm going to begin beginning to read in verse 1. It says, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, and we're going to stop there. I want you guys to get this picture of Jesus, because I think this will really help for the context of what I'm getting ready to say. Jesus, who is infinitely holy, right, infinitely glorious, infinitely perfect, infinitely good, right, who's at the right hand of the Father, and then us, sinful humanity, there could not be a bigger gap between us and him. There could not be a greater disparity between his goodness and our sinful nature. But yet Jesus saw fit to go the distance, regardless of our sin, to go the distance and to crucify himself to become an offering poured out before the Father for our sins. He went the distance. This is love. This is active love. But yet sometimes when it comes to the person next to us and it's a matter of love or it's a matter of forgiveness or even a matter of prejudice, we don't have the fortitude within ourselves to trust the Lord to actually extend that love to people around us. And so whenever we act in a way of actually glorifying our own prejudice, what ends up happening is we're actually working in contradiction to the gospel. We're actually not fulfilling what Jesus said, as Daryl said earlier, go ye out into the world and make disciples. You know, whenever Jesus said in, in Mark 12, he said, love your brother, love your neighbor, sorry, love your neighbor as yourself. A lot of us have so misapplied that scripture. What we're doing is we're loving ourselves as ourselves. We're saying, oh, you look like me, you sound like me, you're easy to love. But then yet, when it comes to people who may be of a different skin color, who may be of a different language, of a different international origin, we choose to isolate those people. We are not fulfilling the, the great commandment he's, he's given us. We have no part, in, actually, in his ministry. That's not, that's not love active. Choosing to love people who only make you feel good is not love. See, the thing that's different about Jesus' love, see, in Hebrews 12, it says this. It says his blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. The reason why Jesus' love is so different and so other, because it was suffering that his love was demonstrated through. That as he was going to the cross, as he was suffering for our sins, as he was being uh, ridiculed and scorned because of our shame, it was to prove his love for you and I. That's what love is. It wasn't because we were so in love with Jesus that Jesus said, okay, yeah, I'll die for them. That wasn't his intention. It was decisive love that he died for you this morning. It was decisive love that he made a decision at the right hand of the Father to say, they are mine, and I will leave the 99 to go after the one, even if they ridicule me. We'll see this, especially in Jesus' interaction with Zacchaeus. I don't want to get ahead of my notes, but I just want to share a testimony real quick. So, uh, many of you guys know I'm, I, I've 
not been a stranger in talking about my relationship with my father. Um, it's not Hallmark, I'd say that. And what I mean by Hallmark, it's not what you see on a card, like, oh, Dad, I love you. Thank you for everything. Like, you know, here's a card. Uh, it's been actually full of a lot of pain, um, full of a lot of struggle. But actually, through that pain and that struggle, the Lord has actually birthed something so beautiful in our relationship. Many of you guys know my father has been sick for a couple of weeks, and it's really been a wake-up call to me um, because I've always said, oh, like, I forgive my father, right, for the things that he's done. You know, I forgive him for, you know, the things that he, do, he, he did to us as a family when we were young. But ultimately, in my heart, I, I had judgment against him. I had judgment against him. Um, almost to the point to where he would call me and he would say, hey, you know, I preached this message today, son, and I want to share a little bit with you. I'm like, oh, you preached, huh? Mm, yeah, you preached the message. Did you listen to it? You know, I had judgment in my heart, you know, kind of that sarcastic vibe. And what happens is my, my own heart becomes hardened. You see, when we hold prejudice against people, the crazy thing is we think it's actually inflicting pain on that person. But in reality, what we're doing is we're hardening our own heart. So we're not able to receive. And so my dad is, a, is a, a, a wise man. I mean, puts Mike Bickle. I mean, he's in the category. Of my, I'm not even kidding. He's in the category of like Mike Bickle, Corey Russell, like full of wisdom, full of revelation. And it wasn't until a couple weeks ago that I started to see that because my heart was so hardened against him because I said, oh, how, how can you preach the gospel when you did all of these horrible things? But you know what I failed to realize? You know what I failed to realize? Me, myself, I once was so far from Christ. I once put him to shame. It was my sins that put him on the cross. It was my shame that put him on the cross. I have been wayward even to this day. It, if not by his, it's only by his grace that I'm able to stand here before you. Not because I've done anything good. Not because I've been a good boy my whole life. If it wasn't for the grace of God, guys, we couldn't even stand and worship and sing his praises. Do you understand the gift that we have to come into this room and, and, and in order to stand and to worship the Lord? That's why I so resonate with what Daryl was saying. How can we be silent when so much has been afforded to us? How can we be quiet when the Lord has done so much? He's done the most obedient, the most fiery, intense act ever demonstrated to humankind to come and be with us. How can we be silent? How can we hold grudges and, and prejudice against our brothers and sisters? And the answer is when we look at Jesus, we can't. And so there, there becomes the disconnect because we live in a world now where absolutely, even in the church, we hold grudges. Even in the church. I mean, a lot of us, we come in here and smile, and I'm all for it. It's great. But under the surface, there are some very real issues that we have as a people where we're not even willing to understand cultures and people who are different than us. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not at all confused by that. I know, I know some of us have racial thoughts. Absolutely. I have some of my own, actually, unfortunately, because none of us, none of us are, are without sin. None of us are without the inherent being born into sin. But if it wasn't for Jesus, if it wasn't for his grace, we wouldn't even be able to love. We wouldn't even be able to serve one another. And so as I was talking to my dad and as he was pouring wisdom into me, you know, and we were just talking about this issue of prejudice, I was just kind of repenting before. I was like, dad, I'm so sorry. You know, all these years, I've, I haven't seen the gift of God before me because I've, I've, I've been so prideful 
in just thinking that because you, you were sinful. I've been so prideful to think that the grace of God was somehow not applicable to you. And I want to apologize to you. And my dad, so full of grace, says, you know, Matt, I miss these conversations. You know, he starts to point, wasn't one thing he said that really struck my heart. He said, you know, as Christians, as people, sometimes we, we're, we all, we're good with being Christ-like. We're good with saying, yeah, we are Christ-like. We're, we're living an example of, of Christ. But we're not always willing to go Christ's way. And this really struck my heart because it was exactly what I was doing. Like, we, we're so good to be in here and to say, amen, yeah, Matt, that's true. But when it really comes down to hard issues or when it really comes down to judging someone for how they look or when it comes down to, to actually, you know, enacting on that prejudice and, and treating someone wrongly because of their social economical status, it's so easy for us to do. It's our default. But actually, that is is is. is absolutely opposite to the gospel. That's absolutely opposite to what Jesus wants to do. And actually, Jesus has done something so different. Let's turn to um, 1 Corinthians 1.10, actually. Let's see what Paul is saying as, as he addresses some leaders of the church here. I'm going to be reading from verse 10. So this is Paul addressing some leaders as dissension has now grown amongst some, some leaders, actually. He says, I appeal to you. In some translations, this word appeal is, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no division among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One says, I follow Paul. Another one says, I follow Apollos. Another one says, I follow Cephas. And still another, I follow Christ. As we go to verse 17, it says this. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Guys, God takes unity seriously. He takes it so seriously that he himself would come and be wrapped in human flesh, that he himself would live a life. It says in Isaiah 52 that he had no human semblance that we would want to follow him. That it, we're not talking about the Disney Channel Jesus. It says that it, there, Jesus was like a leper. It, you know, many people, they see Isaiah 52 as the scholar leper. Christ lived a life people did not want to associate with him, even his physical appearance. But yet he saw fit to come and to move heaven and earth for you. Aside from, from what you've done, aside from your past. It says in Romans 2.11 that God is no respecter of person. But yet sometimes we always hold people in respect. We hold people in contempt. And God is not pleased with it. God is not pleased with it. What God is looking for is he's saying, I desire for my gospel to be spread. I desire for people to see who I am. I'm, I'm looking for people that would agree with me. That's what he says in Matthew 26, as Jesus was going to the cross, as he, was, as he was telling his disciples of the things that would happen, he was in the garden of Gethsemane. It says he was talking to the Father. He's having this conversation. He's like, Lord, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And as he, he brought Peter along with him. He brought some of the disciples and Peter's two sons. And he came back and he said he saw the disciples sleeping. And these are Jesus' words that have marked my heart. He said, couldn't you stay watch with me but one hour? 
Couldn't you wait with me but one hour? Couldn't you pray with me but one hour as Jesus was going through his struggle? And the reason why it is so easy for us to hold prejudice, the reason why it is so easy for us not to operate in love is because love is difficult. Because it takes the grace of God to actually love your brother. It was never intended to be done in the natural. It was never intended to be done in your flesh. That's why you don't feel like you want to do it. Because it's supernatural. The gospel is supernatural. That's why whenever there's a fence, you feel like you want to be prideful. But instead, Jesus shows us something very different. He said, go after the least of these. He says, love your brother as yourself. Give up. Give up. He said, if you have aught with your brother in worship, give it up and go and repent before them. See, the kingdom of God is upside down. It's, it's much different than what we've made it to be. And actually, I, I, believe that, I believe what Jesus wants to do is he wants to help us to find agreement with him. He wants to help us to find agreement with the Spirit of God. That, that when we do endure and when we are going through offense and when we are faced with prejudiceness, that we're able actually to, to take hold of his love, to say, God, give me a heart for my brother. Many of us give up too quickly. You know, like we give up on, um, even parents, we've, some of us have given up on our kids who we think are so wayward, and we start to judge them, and we're not speaking life over them. Even in marital relationships, some of us have given up on our spouses because of the fence. We say, oh, it's too great, Lord. Or we've given up on friends who don't share the same views that we do. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't, He's not looking for us to eject. He's actually looking for us to be near. See, God's, the gospel of Jesus is not that he was somehow afar, right? But it's that actually Christ has come near to us. And so the love of God is this, is that we also would be near to those who are suffering. We also would be near to those who are, who are oppressing us, who look different than us. Why? So that the glory of God would be revealed. So that they would see something different. That they would see his love. The job of the church is to show people who typically cannot live in unity outside of Christ, that in Christ we can do so. Amen. When we attach moral significance to things that are merely matters of cultural preference, we engage in what's called racial prejudice. It's a form of self-righteousness. It's a way for us to feel acceptable and worthwhile in our own merits. But when we assign values to the components of our identity, we misunderstand the intention of the gospel and we engage in what's called human favoritism. And that human favoritism is also displayed in James 2. Let's go there. You guys doing okay? Yeah. I'm sorry I'm yelling or whatever I'm doing. I love you guys. But I'm just passionate about this issue because if we miss this, we miss it all. If we're not able to love when we have disputes, if we're not able to have the heart of God for people, how can we expect them to see Jesus in us? A lot of us complain. We say, oh, the world is not seeing Jesus. Well, it's because maybe we're not showing Jesus to him. So James 2 says this, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord, Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand here, or you sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, again, this is referencing Mark 12, love your brother as yourself, you are doing right. 
But if you show favoritism, your sin, your sin, and you are, you, sorry, you sin and are convicted by the law of lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Loving people who are different than us requires a gospel-centered type of humility. It requires the grace of the Lord. We can't do it in our own, in our own ability. James even goes as far to say that we can't just do this as a matter of faith, but it has to be one of action. I can't just, if I'm really about unity, if I'm really about loving my brother, it can't just be a bumper sticker. Guys, I am so tired of Facebook posts of us saying, oh man, we're about unity. But yet when people have the simplest of arguments, oh my gosh, we become belligerent. We become barbarians. So we become animals and we almost forget who God is. We become so fickle. But yet we want to post, oh Lord, bring unity to the world. But yet God is saying, I desire to do it through you, through your brother who you have issues with right there. I desire to do it through you, through, through your dad who you've struggled to love and who you've hold, held judgment against. I desire to show him my love through you. And I'm going to tell this story. You know, when I was in high school, I played basketball on the basketball team. And I was okay. I was a bench player. Uh, you know, most people, like, they try to make this glorious story as if they were a starter. No, I wrote the bench. I'm fine with that. Um, no shame in my game. I'll get you Gatorade and towels all day. Um, so I wrote the bench. And I remember one day I had bought these shoes. I was like, man, if I get these shoes, you know, like Carmelo Anthony, maybe coach will let me play a little bit more. If I, if I like, look the part, you know, if I dress it. And so I came in the gym one day, and I was so excited, and all the coaching staff were there. I said, hey, coach. I said, man, coach, check out my shoes. And he looked at me. He goes, would I wear an Enner's shoes? And I was so confused. I said, I said, what do you, I said, what do you mean? He said, would I wear an Enner's shoes, N-word? And I, and I just kind of looked at him. I said, I didn't know what to say. So I just walked out confused. And I was like, what just, what just happened? And all the other coaching staff started to laugh, and I just walked out, and I was broken because this man I esteemed so highly, you know, I trusted, um, was a racist. And at the time, I felt a lot of anger towards him. You know, I had some choice words in my mind that I wanted to use that weren't holy, um, some choice things to do. And I was like, Lord, what do I do? And I, I started to talk to people about it. And, you know, some people say, oh, man, you should give it to him, man. You should go in and say, you're not having any of that, man. Like, Revolt! against coach, like lead a rebellion, you know, against him because he's wronged you. And I was like, yeah, but somehow that doesn't feel in line with what Jesus would do. Because even as Jesus was being delivered into the hands of those who were seeking to arrest him, he actually let them arrest him. He didn't say, he, he wasn't there the leader of all. Even whenever one of his disciples pulled out a sword to cut off the ear, he said, no, he said, this is not what we're doing. I'm not here to lead a rebellion. He says, I'm here. This, this needs to happen. And so I was like, Lord, how would you respond in this issue? And it was a very complex uh, issue for me because this is a person in authority. And so I, I decided to do something that was totally against my flesh. I didn't want to do it. See, we always have this thought that, like, humility is so easy. That, like, oh, yeah, I'll just pray for them, and it'll be okay. No, humility is hard. You know why? Because you feel like you're dying. And actually, that type of love is, is likened to the love of Christ because Christ died, because he gave himself. 
because he experienced death. So whenever we choose to die to our flesh, we're actually saying, God, I'm choosing to live my life and to identify my life after your life, to model your love so that people can see. So I started to do, I started to pray and I didn't do it perfectly. I mean, there were some times where I was, you know, I said some bad words in there and I was like, God help me. That's not, <laughs> I wasn't sanctified back then. I, I would never do that now. But, um, I wasn't the man you see today. And so I started to pray for him. And, you know, nothing happened. Three years went by. And I remember I went back to, uh, when I moved to Boston, I said, I'm going to go back and visit him. And so I, sent, I had his number. I sent him a text. I said, hey, coach, I'm coming back. Um, I just, you know, I want to bless you guys. I was like, I, I'll go to Subway. I'll get you guys some sandwiches. Like, what can I do? He's like, oh, absolutely. He's like, give me double chicken. Give me some bacon. I'm like, man, he's taking advantage of me. This don't feel so good, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, Lord. Glory be to your name. Double chicken on the sandwich. I don't got a job. You better enjoy that chicken. So I, I went there. Man, and, and they got chips. You know, you know, sometimes when you go out to eat with someone, you know, you, you try to be modest. You're like, no, I'll just take some water. Man, they got soda. He's like, yeah, give us a couple liters of soda and everything. And I was like, oh, sure. So I went there, and I just felt like, you know, at first I felt like, okay, I'm being totally taken advantage of here. But I'm like, no, God, you're doing something. You're doing something. I know, because you put it on my heart. And so I went there, and I, 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 I um, gave him the food. And he said, Matt, sit down. He's like, I, I want to talk to you. And I was like, yeah. He said, you know, I never told you this. But he's like, I remember we had an interaction uh, at this time. It was five years ago in the gym. And I said something to you that I shouldn't have. He's like, I want to apologize to you. And he says, you know, I've been watching you for the last three years. I've been watching you on Facebook. I've been watching you even when you were here as a student. And he says, the way you lived your life, he said, I didn't tell you, but I went home and I talked to my wife. And I said, wife, I have some very nasty things in my heart, and I want to repent. And I started to go to church, and I started to take my family to church. He says, now I'm actually ministering to the African-American community. <laughs> and he goes, he goes now I'm actually, I'm actually leading FCA, and we're, we're doing prayer Prayer burns at the school. I remember they used to pray in the morning. And I said, yeah, Matt used to do it. I'm going to do it too. So we start praying in the morning, and God is touching the community. God is touching people around. He says, I love black people. <laughs> he, said, he said, I was so ignorant. I was so ignorant. But this is the type of love that God wants. This is the type of thing that God wants to do through us. You see, if we withhold Jesus from people, what we're actually doing is we're withholding grace from people. We're saying, God, your grace is not good enough to actually touch this person's heart because of our offense. Who are we to stand in the way of God? Man, it, you know, the thing I love about Jesus is he, he showed us the model. You know, even his own disciples, there was people amongst his camp that were going to sell him into slavery, that were going to give him up, that were going to abandon him. Even Peter the one who said, oh, you are the Christ, revelation from the Lord, was going to deny him before a girl. You know, and I was just thinking about Jesus, but yet Jesus, he, he still pursued. He said, no, this is what I'm doing this for the joy of being with my father and for the joy of completing the task. And, and my heart this morning is that we would be a people that would have the joy set before us. You know I, know, I know, I know loving people is difficult. I know loving people beyond our own emotions is hard. But guys, if we're Christians, it's necessary. It's what God calls us to. And, the only, and also, it's not only what God calls us to, but he promises to enable us to actually love because it's his love. But see, when we do it on our own ability, it doesn't work. It gets frustrating. It gets hard. And yeah, it's hard. 
But as we trust the Lord, guess what? He gives us the strength. And one of the things I think about, especially whenever I have, you know, either offense or something, you know, an argument with my wife, an argument with my dad or something like that, I say, you know what? Jesus didn't sit down for me. He didn't choose to say, oh, man, this is way too hard. Oh, my gosh. There, Lord, you're going to have to send someone else. But he says, no, I press on. Paul says, he says, I run this race like, a, like an endured runner. I press on for the faith before me. And that's what we need to get that tenacity again. We need our hearts awakened before the Lord to say, God, I will tarry with you for this individual. God, I will wait for the expected promise that you say that you are no respecter of person and that you're going to pour out your spirit on all flesh. That, God, you don't see that person any different than you saw me. So, God, I will stand in faith until you touch their hearts. And, God, I even ask if it be your will that you even use me, use me as a conduit to extend your love. You see, when we change the way we pray and we change the way we operate as people, we might actually start to see revival. You see, revival doesn't come by us just saying, oh God, we have faith that you'll do it. Revival comes, as it says in James, faith with action. He says, you show me your faith, I'll show you action. It's time that we start to actually act like the church. We can't say that we're representatives of the gospel if we're not even willing to share the gospel with people who are different. So guys, really, we need to repent before God. We need to repent before God. Because the days of us saying, Lord, we are for you, but then somehow being different when it comes in the context of struggle need to end. It says that Christ is a mediator, that he understands, that he has been through every bit of temptation that we have been through. And it's about time that we start to trust him. It's about time that we stop living in our prejudices and putting it under the guise of, oh, I'm a Christian and my own ideals and my own prejudices are somehow validated because I come from a culture background that other people believe the same thing that I do. No, guys, we need to call sin, sin. People say this, we don't have a skin problem in the church. I don't believe we do. We have a sin problem. It's not a matter of, of I just hate you because you're a different color. No, it's a matter of sin. We don't get the love of God. And I think it's very, it's a far stretch for us to say that we actually get the love of God, but yet we hate our brother. It's impossible. It's impossible. But Jesus wants to do something that's far greater than you and I, that's far greater than than the things that we have with one another. And we actually see this with Jesus as he goes and eats with Zacchaeus in Luke 19. You don't have to, you don't have to go there, but, you know, Jesus is coming into town in Zacchaeus, who's seen as a wicked man from his peers. And he says, you know what, I'm going to actually run before the crowd, and I'm going to climb a fig tree in order to see Jesus. And Jesus comes, and he sees Zacchaeus. He says, little man, Zacchaeus. He says, come down from there. He says, I'm gonna, I must dine with you tonight. And, and, and all the Pharisees, they were so amazed. They're like, Jesus is eating with the guiltiest of sinners? Like, why would he even do that? But I believe God was doing this in order to show us how far-reaching grace should be and how far-reaching his love is. So Jesus goes, and he, he, says, he says immediately, come down, Zacchaeus. And in verse 8, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here. Look, Lord, here and now I give half. Sorry, before we go there, Jesus says, come down. He goes and eats. And uh, people begin to mutter, saying he's gone to be a guest of sinner. Verse 8, it says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. 
How amazing. We got the CEO of the tax department, Zacchaeus, five foot tall, hanging out in a fig tree. And it's crazy. You should just, just to tease yourself, just to look at the word, I think it's cool just to even look up the symbolism, like the, the reason that he climbed into a fig tree, right? And the fig tree was also used to hide shame, especially with Adam and Eve. They, they hid under fig leaves. But Zacchaeus is in shame, hiding in a fig tree. But here comes Jesus, full of love, full of mercy, full of grace, and says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to dine with you tonight. Matter of fact, I'm not just going to tell you of my love. I'm not just going to tell you who I am. I'm actually going to eat with you. I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to commune with you. And see, that's the difference in God's type of love. You see, whenever we, we can't just have diversity and we can't just have, you know, anti-prejudice be a program. We can't have it be topical. It has to be much more than that. Because Jesus actually shows us his love is, is near. It's involved. He's eating with us. He's sharing a meal with us. Although we are undeserving, although we did nothing to merit that type of relationship, he says, I freely give because I love you. And that's the same love that God wants to demonstrate through us. It says that if we are Christians, they will know us by our love, by the way we love one another, by the way we serve one another, by the way we give for one another. But I truly believe that we have left the place of saying, Lord, we, we, it's really unbelief of saying, Lord, we believe that you're good. Because if we choose not to love our brother because of sin, we're actually saying, God, the gospel, what you did on the cross, that's irrelevant for me. But Jesus said, no, this is life. This is what I want to do through you. This is what I do, want to do with you. So we need, to, we need to come before the Lord. And we really need to get this right before God. We really need to bring our hearts before God to say, Lord, no more. Am I going to live with my defaults to be prejudiced against my brother? No more am I going to live just accepting my own hatred for other cultures, for other people, even people who have wronged me. But God, I ask that you would use me as a conduit to actually extend your grace. I'm asking, Lord, that you would use me, God, to actually show just how far-reaching your grace and love is for one another. So I want to do something in this moment. I want to pray. And I'm just, if you can just close your eyes and we can invite Allegra, Jeriel, or someone up to sing. If we can sing that Cielo song, praise the Lord. It's good. But I just want us to close our eyes for a moment. I just want us to examine our heart before the Lord, uh, because this is important. Um, If we leave here today full of our own shame and guilt, and we actually don't come to the Lord, what happens is our heart becomes hardened. But what Jesus wants to do this morning is he wants to remove your stony heart and actually give you a heart of flesh. In the same way that he did for me, he wants, to, he wants us to actually receive from him. And when our hearts are blocked, we can't. So I just want to take a couple of moments. And I just want you to dialogue with the Lord. You know your heart. You know the issues that you have against other people who are different than you. You know the issues that you have even against people in this room. And I really want you to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and to convict you of these issues that you might repent. So we're going to take a couple of moments as Allegra worships. And and just even as an act of faith, if that is you, if you're saying, yeah, Matt, that's me. I've been living with prejudice in my heart. I've been living a lie that I'm actually not living in accordance to the gospel, but I'm actually living in accordance to my own prejudice. As a step of faith, I want to encourage you to come to this altar And just to lament and weep before the Lord and to allow him to heal your heart. Guys, he's faithful to do it. He desires. So, God, we ask of you this morning, God. 
Lord, that you would come and fill every void within us, God. God, that you would come and strip away, God, the things that we hide behind and say that they are you. God, we know that you are not a God of division, that you are not a God that is separate. God, as it says in Galatians 2.38, God, that you are for the Jew and both and for the Gentile. God, that you are no respecter of person, that Christ is one. And so, God, in, in this moment, we ask, Lord, that you would help us to be one, Jesus. God, that you would help us not to hide behind our carnality. But, Lord, we know that your love is far-reaching. God, that it was so far-reaching that it, it went the distance, God, to be with us, to marry us, to engage with us. So, God, we even ask this morning that you would engage our hearts, God. God, we know that there is no shame for those that come to you, Lord. There is no shame for those that, that, that are broken and contrite in your presence. You say that you will not despise a broken and contrite heart. So, God, in humility, we say, forgive us, Lord, as a church. God, we say, forgive us for ways, God, that we have been puffed up in pride. God, ways that we have hated one another, Jesus. And, God, we ask by your mercy, God, won't you show mercy to us this morning, Lord? God, that we would repent before you, Lord. God, that we would be able to love as you love, that we would be accurate God, ambassadors of the gospel, we ask that you would come, Lord, even now. I just want to encourage you, just even ask the Lord yourself. Just open your mouth and start to dialogue with him. Say, God, come. Say, Lord, he's, he's, he's a helper. He says he's, he'll send his comforter to help us. So as we start to dialogue with the Holy Spirit, he'll actually help us with these prejudiced thoughts. He'll actually help us to love our brother as ourselves. So even just start to dialogue with him now. Start to call on his name, Jesus. We ask you to come, Lord.